Welcome SLP Happy Hour listeners. We are so excited to share today's episode where we will talk about stress SOS. So that's what we do when things get heavy in our work and home worlds. We're also going to talk about procrastination, which is different than procrastination. We'll talk about that later and what we're reading now. I'm Sarah. I've been an SLP for 13 years and I work in my own private practice and in a telepractice school contract. My interest areas are preschool autism, childhood apraxia of speech, and dyslexia. And I'm Sari, an SLP of just three years. I work in the schools and I love everything AAC. On the podcast, we are going to talk about happiness, SLP lesson fails, easy or lazy lessons, new habits we are trying to create, and we are so glad that you are here. Thank you for listening. First up, a little check-in. Sari is nine months pregnant, and her baby boy is due later this month. So how are you hanging in there, Sari? Um, hanging in there. <laughs> I've kind of reached a new level of constant sleepiness, but um, people keep telling me to just expect that now for the rest just of my life. <laughs> so <laughs> transitioning into that. Um, plus I've been taking like, you know, evening classes after work. Um, I've had some weird symptoms, like, uh, people always ask me what I'm craving. And, um, the only craving I've had so far is cantaloupe. Um, Were you able to fill that craving? I was, at least that's an easy one. It wasn't like my sister-in-law craved, um, in and out burgers and, um, that would have to like, actually, we do have one here in town, but now to drive. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in the old days, you have to, you'd have to drive to California to get in and out burgers. So let's, let's share a little bit of what's going well for us and what's going not so well in our work and out of work lives. And uh, in this episode, I'm going to start with uh, what's down. And I'm going to say maternity body talk. When you're pregnant, it seems like everyone suddenly is very comfortable commenting on your weight Mm -hmm. and your body. And it's been almost a culture shock for me because I'm not used to that. And I don't know how to respond sometimes to people. And it definitely can be hurtful. Mm -hmm. And just know people like saying you're huge, you're getting big is never an okay statement. And I think People need to realize and remember that in our society, there's a lot of pressure as women to be smaller or to be thinner. So if you spend your whole life, you know, hearing these messages from society and all of a sudden people are like, you're humongous, Um, regardless of whether or not your brain knows like, okay, well, yeah, (laughs) I'm growing a baby. Like, it's just not a nice statement. And I can imagine that it has feelings associated with being told that you're huge, which mm-hmm. is something that people say a lot to pregnant women. Um, I used to work with a woman who was told that, and she like um, was told that at lunch, went back to her office, this is when I worked in the schools, called me crying. <laughs> and that's when I learned to never, ever, ever, I think I was like 24 years old at the time, and to never, ever, ever tell a pregnant woman she's huge. And you know what? Just let's not comment on other people's bodies. Okay. Yes, yes, (laughs) please. (laughs) Uh, All right. I will bring us up a little. And what's up for me is walks. So Sari, I know you walk with your husband. I love solo walks. I do hike with my husband on the weekends and I love it. And we have these great conversations when we're walking. Like it's so good to get out of the house and 
you know, really talk about things that we might not talk about if we're just doing like the chores of daily living. But I'm trying to do two walks for at least 30 minutes, preferably an hour um, every week. They're solo walks. I listen to podcasts. Uh, The fresh air, the exercise, the sun when it is sunny is just, it really does make my mood do a 180, like in a very positive way. And it's something that I need to remember to continue because it adds so much to my happiness. Yeah, I think evening walks have been huge for me too. And you know what? I used to take uh, working walks, working lunch walks in my old job. I used to, during my lunch break, I would either eat really quickly or take a working lunch because I was able to there and go for a walk. And that was a mental reset right in the middle of my work day. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know how this working year, this academic school year, my focus has been leaving work on time. I think next year I might be to switch it to taking walks during my work day because it, it is huge. I love that. And I love that you mention the, the difference between, because before you worked as a school-based clinician, you essentially had an office job. It mm-hmm. was for a school district, but it was in the district office and it was a normal working kind of nine to five type job. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to add in there that for a typical nine to five, think about an office job, people take a lunch break and two 15 minute breaks <laughs> as SLPs. Like, <laughs> like, isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Sorry, like maybe an hour for lunch and two 15 minutes. Like it just sounds hilarious. Like yeah. so impossible. How could you possibly do that? And I just wanted to say that, uh, when I was a school employee, I never took breaks. It would have helped me. I think a lot, I still would have burned out and I did burn out when I worked in the schools. And I talk about that on previous episodes, but it really would have made me feel better. And I wanted to add that working telepractice right now, I work telepractice for a school contract. And there are times during my day that I can take a break. And then there is a time where I can take a lunch and not work through my lunch. So I can't promise that every telepractice job will have that. Mine just happens to. And it has added to my stress relief all day long. So it's really important to take breaks. And sometimes we just have to ferret those out for ourselves, even if it's just like one five minute break. And also I wanted to add, if you want to hear more about burnout, episode 39 of this podcast is called burnout is not your fault. And episode 47 is on millennial burnout. Next up, we love to read. And from your emails and messages, we know that you do too. A reader asked us to share what we're reading now. So let's make it happen. Okay, I guess I'll start. I'm reading a book and it's really about happiness and emotion at work. So it's just so up my alley. And uh, Sarah, you know, I, I yes. keep sending screenshots. Yes, say. I think you've recommended it three times. It's, it sounds really good. No, no, I love it. <laughs> okay, so the book is, and we'll link it in the show notes as always, No Hard Feelings, The Secret Power of Embracing Emotions at Work. So even just hearing this title, The Secret Power of Embracing Emotions at Work, just all the praise hands emojis, like (laughs) this is what I'm into and this is why I do this work that I do on this podcast. I highly recommend this book for all you caring SLPs out there, which is everyone who's listening. If you're listening to this podcast, you are a caring SLP with a big heart. I know that about you. So it's for you if you're interested in learning how to be fully human with all the worries, the tears, and the joy, and the emotion that that brings in all of your life, at work 
and at home. That's what this book is about. Is there um, one tip that has just resonated with you from this book? Yes. Uh, They talk about determining how you show emotion at work and they link to, so you have to buy the book to get the link, uh, a quiz that shows like, are you an over emoter? Like you're too emotional at work Uh or kind of neutral or an under emoter. So I took the quiz and I'm an under emoter and Sari, that probably makes sense to you. You've seen me at work and I'm very like kind of cool and calm, fairly quiet, definitely makes quietly confident. Meanwhile, on the inside, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I don't, you know. <laughs> so I am an under emoter, and uh, this week I actually did something that felt really brave to me, and I won't get into the details because I we are already planning to talk about it on another episode of the podcast. But some things were happening with my adoption. I'm in process for an international adoption, and I was talking to a coworker. There were no. Um, kids there and I cried about it and you know what it really strengthened my relationship with that person Mm. so knowing like I'm an under emoter and I don't have to hide my emotions all day because that's going to what am I trying to say when we hide our emotions all day we're gonna go home and just lose it Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying I'm gonna make my school day or my clinic day about me no that's not what I'm saying but what I am saying is it's okay if you're talking with a colleague to show some emotion at work um so again I I'm actually glad it happened Mm -hmm. and that she saw me cry because she knows that I'm not just a work robot and I'm going through some you know heavy stuff with my adoption (laughs) and I think it strengthened our relationship you know what? I think the first time I cried in front of you definitely strengthened our relationship. So. It did. I, I was a I little afraid when you cried. I was like, oh my gosh. It was just a milestone in our friendship. And it was a big cry. It was a big cry. And it changed. Yes. And wouldn't you say it changed things for the better? Oh yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about this. It was a, it was a good Asha cry. I think most of us have cried after a long day at Asha. So. Uh, and I can't remember if I said it already so if not more on burnout episode 39 on episode 47 so what are you reading for fun these days i am still reading the agatha raisin series by mc beaton mm-hmm. it's a huge amount of mystery novels i don't even know i mean i would imagine there's more than 20 from what it looks like it features a strong female lead and it's super fun to read that sounds right up your alley well so i'm reading one that we've actually already talked about on the podcast and you uh, recommended Uh, called Simplicity Parenting. I'm reading it with my husband. It's by Kim Payne. And um, I'll share one tip that I love from this book that I don't think we shared previously. So it's a parenting book, but I also think that it has a lot of tips just for everyday life for adults too. And it talked about, you know, how we treat fevers in our children and how we, you know, turn turn things off, simplify life. They they can relax and they're going to eat simpler foods. They're not going to go out and do all of these things. It, you just kind of shut everything down when they have a fever. And when they have an emotional fever, which the book calls a soul fever, that's really what they need too. They need that space and that simplification within their home to feel calmer. And you know what? I do too. <laughs> when I get a soul fever, that's exactly what I need. I need that mental health day (laughs) and that space and that time to just 
reset and re-energize and work through and heal from the soul fever that I'm going through. So uh, I do highly recommend or echo Sarah's previous recommendation on that book, Simplicity Parenting. My husband and I have both really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think for that book, and by the way, I think the only two books that I've heard people say, like, if you're going to be a parent, read these two books are this one and then how to talk so kids will listen and how to listen so kids will talk. Mm. And basically all my friend parents who I really trust are like, just read those books. Don't read anything else. It'll just make you feel better. <laughs> uh, but what I love about Simplicity Parenting is it the focus is really on simplicity, like fewer toys, fewer events less on your schedule. Mm -hmm. And the second thing I wanted to mention is that self-care is parenting ourselves. So that means Mm -hmm. if we have a horrible meeting, we're going to parent ourselves. What does that look like? Probably comforting simple food, probably some time away from other people in a quiet environment, doing a pleasurable activity. So as I read Simplicity Parenting. I was learning how to parent a child, but also how to care for and parent myself. Mm-hmm. I agree. So for fun, I'm reading a gothic novel right now. It's called The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zafon. And it's about a young boy who grows up in Barcelona with his widowed father. And one day when he's mourning the loss of his mother, his father takes him to a place called the cemetery of forgotten books and uh, he is able to pick one of the books and take it home he falls in love with it it's an amazing book and he tries to find more novels that this author has written and discovers there's none to be found and more than that someone has been systematically destroying all the remaining copies of this book so far this novel is just beautiful it's a beautiful thing to work of art to read and it's got something for everyone it's got mystery it's got drama it's got some humor a little bit of romance and I'm loving it I'm about halfway through right now so there you have it two or three book four book recommendations from us we hope you enjoy these books and if so please let us know Up next, we are going to make some self-care confessions. So on our first episode ever, we shared some things that we do for self-care that we find quite embarrassing, and we're not going to rehash those right now. You'll have to listen to the episode, but it's been a long time. So when we talk about a self-care confession, it's something that might be weird, embarrassing, or just unusual, or something we just don't want to admit that we do for self-care. So uh, here's mine. And that is uh, YouTube skincare videos. So as I get older, I've been really researching like how to take care of my skin. I can't imagine that I would ever like have a facelift or have the money for like fillers or anything like that. Never say never. Uh, But I have basically what happened is I started watching these skincare videos. Then I started like buying skincare products and realizing like, I don't even know if these are well-researched and these work, right? So I found Dr. Dre. So it's Dr. D-R, Dre, D-R-A-Y on YouTube. And she is a, she's, she actually looks at the science of the skincare stuff and tells you what to do. She's a dermatologist. And basically, if it's not Retin-A, which is called Tritonin, which is a prescription only, sunscreen, or a simple fragrance-free lotion, she gives it a big thumbs down. She says it doesn't work. So no vitamin C, no retinol, no 
uh, exfoliation, you should get a, she says, a salicylic acid cleanser and just wipe your face with a washcloth and that's all the exfoliation you need. So she's really saving me money. She's big into minimalist skincare and she has a super strong personality. Like you're either going to love her or hate her with some bursts of really dry humor in there. So by the way, I am going to try to ask my doctor for a tritonin prescription, but I'm super shy about it (laughs) because I think it feels vain or like, you know, it's not like I broke my leg, so I need a cast, right? So I went into the doctor, but I was too shy to actually ask. So my goal is to like call and do it. So Sari, maybe you can help me do this. (laughs) Do you write down like a list of questions to ask your doctor before you go? Yeah. And then I saw it and I was like, I'm not going to ask that. I fill it out, but uh, I get that. I've done that before with coming coming in with questions and then just not having the nerve. So I don't know if I have a cure recommendation for it. You can just keep asking me about it until I do it. Okay. Okay. I'll check in. So my uh, guilty pleasure is um, I follow, she doesn't post as much anymore, but it's this YouTube channel that is a hair tutorial channel. She also does makeup tutorials and she um, has other like fashion tips and things, but I mainly watch the hair braiding and her uh, YouTube name is BB Shao, B-E-B-E-X-O. And I have learned so many amazing braids and I get compliments all the time on my braids. And it's not because I figured out on my own how to do these things. It's from watching this YouTube channel on how to braid my hair. And she does like, if a celebrity does her hair in a really pretty way, she'll figure out how to do it and she'll share it on her channel. And I love it. It's, it's really fun to watch and try out. Yeah. So Sari does this one hairstyle, which I call the Sari Woo. And like when Alex, my husband sees it, he's like, Oh, you're doing the Sari today. Right. So it's like a deep side part like a French braid on one side into a ponytail. So that's the Sari that we do. (laughs) So you have a hairstyle named after you locally. Uh, So if you're looking for something else to brighten your day besides sunny walks and braiding YouTube videos, uh, I wanted to share a lazy lesson with you. We call this a lazy lesson for fun, and the focus is how to plan a lesson where you don't need a ton of time or a ton of money or a ton of resources. And we've gotten some listener requests for more language lazy lessons, which I love. Mm -hmm. So this one could be for either articulation or language. And it's what I call a reverse sensory bin. I'm going to try my best to explain it. So hang on with me till the end. I do a lot of work with preschoolers and when their hands are busy, their mouths are talking. I feel like it's really important for them to have something to do with their hands, at least for some of the time. So I've had sensory bins with typical fillers like rice or sand or beans, and I typically just throw some mini objects or mini erasers in there. But this is a new idea I just saw online. It's for a reverse sensory bin, and maybe you've already seen this, uh, but I had never seen it before. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to try it very soon. So I'm going to just walk you through the steps because you can't you know, see it with your eyes. So step one, take a laminated sheet with target words or pictures on it and make sure it's the size of the bottom of your bin. Step two, put the laminated paper at the bottom of your empty sensory bin. Step three, put a small filler on top, something light like rice or coconut flakes or oats, and don't overfill your bin. 
And step four, get a tool like a paintbrush or a spoon or a stick, something your learner can use to push the filler out of the way so they can quote unquote find pictures and make sentences or phrases out of them. So again, your picture is taped to the bottom of the bin on the inside or the outside. There's a little bit of filler and then there's something to push away the filler so they can discover, almost like they're digging in the sand mm. for real. So honestly, I've always just um, like thrown in the mini erasers. I've never done this. I know that the kids I work with would love this. And I'm thinking like for my younger language clients, I could use verb pictures and we could start to build sentences with them. For my students who are a little bit older than that, we could do the same, but with irregular past tense verbs, for example, it would be the verb picture. They would put it in past tense and make a sentence. And for my articulation kids to really make this a lazy lesson, I would do like a bunch of pictures of balloons or something. And then when they uncovered like a balloon picture, uh, for example, they would have to say their target sound or word. So I wanted to add the, the example I saw, the picture was taped to the bottom inside of the box and then the filler was touching it. So straight on top. But what I'm going to try so that I can switch out the pictures is I'm going to take pictures that are the size of my sensory bin or cut them to size, set them on the table, set the sensory bin on top <laughs> because that's super lazy and I can switch those out more easily. And it does seem like the trick here is using a lightweight filler and not using too much of it so that you're able to push it aside with the stick or the spoon or the paintbrush. I love this idea. I've never done this either. I've never heard of it, but I'm totally going to try it. I have a small sandbox in my speech room and I may have to take a little bit of the sand out so it's not as much that they need to push away, but this is absolutely going to be an easy lesson for me to use. All right, so we're both going to try this this week, and if you try it, let us know how it goes. It's a fun way to do something you might already be doing. You might already have sensory bins in your speech room, and I hope you love it. Next up, another confession. I've been procrastinating a lot this month, which is not typical for me, but uh, what's interesting is Sari is going to share a concept with me and with you today that is new, and it's Precrastinating, so it's not procrastinating, but precrastinating. She's going to share what it is and how knowing more about it can help us be happier. That's right. So, precrastinating is basically the opposite of procrastinating. Instead of waiting until the last second to do something, you're getting things done much further in advance than you need to. And sometimes this is fine but sometimes you can actually be creating more work for yourself. So this is something you need to watch out for. Um, there is a great article uh, with a video embedded in it that we will link to in the show notes. And I like to think of there's an experiment they did, they shared in the video that involved a straight path and they put two buckets along the path. One was really close to the person that was going to walk down the path and then one was far away. And the person was asked to pick up both buckets and bring them back. So most people walked down the path, picked up that first bucket, walked all the way down the rest of the path carrying that first bucket, picked up the second bucket, and then walked all the way back carrying both buckets. Now, if you can visualize that, you've probably figured out that it would have saved them energy so they're not carrying both buckets for as much time if they walked all the way down to the furthest bucket first, picked that one up, 
walked back and then picked up that first bucket second so they weren't carrying as much of a load. And that is a perfect analogy for what procrastinating is. It's trying to get things done early, but inadvertently creating more work for yourself. And that's what you've got to watch out for. So it sounds like procrastinating is overworking maybe as you anticipate the event, and especially in situations where doing that pre-work probably doesn't lead to a better outcome, Mm -hmm. and it possibly makes more work for you. So I'm just trying to think of some examples would be like over lesson planning or lesson planning too far in the future. At home, I over clean the house before people come, (laughs) and I really don't need to spend all that time and energy doing that. And then over-preparing, I would say, for IEP meetings that I anticipate, you know, being nervous about or not going well. Those are all some examples I can think of of this, like, procrastination idea. Those are all really good examples. And I have one, too, and it relates to lesson planning, actually, because um, at the beginning of this year, I had all these goals to lesson plan for a whole month ahead of time. And uh, that didn't end up happening, but let's hypothetically say that it did. What it looks like for me is I have lesson plans for each group, right? And they've got um, each student's objectives in it and what what I'm going to work on that that week. If I try to pre-lesson plan for a whole month, there are so many things that are going to happen during that month that are going to cause me to have to go back in and redo the lesson plans. Things like students moving out, IEPs objectives getting met that are going to change what I wanted to work on, um, IEP objectives changing because they had their IEP meeting and we wrote new ones. That's going to change the lesson plans. New kids moving in, having to change a schedule because suddenly I'm pulling them from PE or something because the school had a schedule change. You just don't know what's going to happen and over-preparing too early can actually end up causing you more work. So it's something to definitely keep an eye out for so you're not carrying that extra bucket around for too long. So just a couple questions. Is procrastination, does it cause more stress? Is it generally bad? Are there situations where it would be helpful? Uh, And what are some examples of procrastinating that we might do at home? So I do think that there are some situations where procrastination can be good. Um, One example that I can think of is the way that we prepare for our podcasts to come out. Um, We, uh, I think a lot of our listeners have learned this by now, but we we batch record uh, ahead of time. So our episodes that are released are pre-recorded and they've been edited. There's a process that we go through before they're released. So we will often meet for a day and record like three or four sometimes, Mm -hmm. and then we'll go through editing and then release them. And that has turned out to be really good because if we were recording them weekly, our schedules would be too difficult to match up. We don't even have one time a week that we could even possibly get together, unfortunately. Yeah. So I don't think we would as consistently come out with um, as good episodes as we do. So in that situation, Mm -hmm. I think procrastination has been really good and helpful. Mm -hmm. What about procrastinating at home? Okay, so an example of procrastinating in in my uh, personal life is maybe trying to over-prepare for like, hosting a family dinner and I plan this whole meal out and I go out and I get everything and then find out that someone is coming that has a severe allergy to 
half of the stuff that I bought. And then I have to go out and shop again. So I tried to over prepare for this meal. Mm-hmm. And then I come to find out I need to make these changes and adjustments and do twice the work to go out and replan for a whole different meal to accommodate everybody. It would have been better to wait until I had my guest list confirmed before doing that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing, Sari. And it seems like uh, it's a topic that's important. We procrastinate because we think it'll give us less stress. But I think I would even say, you know, the example of us preparing for podcasting, is that procrastinating or is that just being prepared? And I think there might be a difference between procrastinating, like putting things off or overworking and then being prepared. And we may not always know which is which until there's an outcome. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, but by knowing about that concept, we can all work ahead and forge forward in the most effective, thoughtful way. So we know that procrastinating and precrastinating can be related to stress. And that brings us to our topic of the day, stress SOS. So if you're feeling overwhelmed or like you have too much to do, we're going to share quite a few tips today for just things to have in your stress reduction toolbox for when life gets hard. Uh, This is perfectly timed for me because it's been a really rough week. We do record these ahead of time, but uh, I've had to do some medical exams and blood work for the adoption that has been on a really tight timeline. Uh, There's some things going on in China with the coronavirus that are resulting in travel bans, which might affect our adoption. And I've had some pretty intense IEPs to prepare for. So this is a great, perfect timing for stress SOS and what's in my emergency box toolkit for Mm. rough times. And this is stuff I've actually done this week. Uh, So I'm sharing with you real practical things that I actually do um, that are things that a busy SLP could make time for. So the first is I eat a cookie or chocolate and there will be people who will write me nasty emails about how that's horrible, but um, I think it's nice to like have a treat. Uh, I also really like to bake, so I actually might like bake some cookies and share them around. Uh, The next thing I do is I dance it out. I really like 80s music, especially. I usually like shut the blinds and then put on like uh, wireless headphones. And dancing can be really helpful because we physically store stress in our body. So movement, whether it's dancing or walks or yoga, can really release the physical stress that we're holding. Uh, Going for a walk, which I've talked about a lot in this podcast. I especially love solo walks outside. Planning something to look forward to is really important. I'll often tidy something small and easy, typically my bill paying desk, which gets really cluttered because it gives me a sense of accomplishment and order. And then I'll take a break from it just for a day, a 24 hour break. And it's because when our emotions are high, we can't actually problem solve. So when those intrusive thoughts come and I'm trying to problem solve or I'm getting stuck on whatever's bothering me, I'll just take a gentle deep breath in and say to myself, not now. And it's a gentle reminder and it can help remind myself that I will get to it, but now is not the time for problem solving. Those are all great tips. And that last one in particular is huge. I think that sometimes it's a battle between wanting to respond and resolve something right away 
against taking that time and space to reflect on the situation. And in my experience, that second one's the better way to go. So, <laughs> But it's harder because your your body is like, deal with this now. Mm-hmm. But often that can make it worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a few things for my stress SOS that will help me calm down is listening to music. And I really like to listen to Celtic music. It's something that's familiar, something I grew up with. My mom always used to play it around the house. It's lulling, and I often find myself just kind of letting my imagination wander when I'm listening to it, and I don't even have to do anything. I just hit play and listen. I select home activities that are simple to do, things like uh, I love building a jigsaw puzzle, reading a book, or tinkering around with an instrument. Just something simple, doesn't involve technology, isn't going to be stressful um, for me anyway, (laughs) and uh, just those little tasks with those simple um, props is nice and calming. I call a friend, someone I can count on for validation, and not necessarily any advice for how to fix what I'm going through. And I'm so often I need to state that expectation in the beginning of the conversation so they know what I need. I just need you to listen while I vent and let me know I'll be okay, kind of a thing. Um, naps is something that's new. I didn't used to be a napper, but I've recently started and that extra rest is often the perfect reset. And last but not least, I will find a task that requires heavy work. It's something we do for students who have sensory needs to help them feel calmer, right? Things like carrying a backpack of books to the front office or wheeling loaded carts of books to the library. So I do something similar for myself at home, and sometimes that's cleaning, just like what Sarah said. Um, Sometimes it's rearranging furniture, like moving those heavy objects around (laughs) the house, cleaning out the refrigerator, washing the car. Sometimes that gives me the sensory input I need to help me calm down. Good for you, my car. I never wash it ever, but we live in Oregon, so the rain washes my car. Yeah. Uh, So there you have it. That is our episode for today. I hope you learned some stress SOS that will help you out if you're having a rough week, just like we are, and we're thinking of you and wishing for you all the joy and happiness that life has to offer. And we really hope that you get to try some of these tips out this week. On today's show, we shared an easy lesson to use a sensory bin in a new way or in a way that you haven't used it in a while. Together, we shared 11 stress SOS tips, and we'll make sure to create a one-page downloadable cheat sheet with all of these tips in one download for easy reference, and we'll send it off to our newsletter subscribers. So if you want access to that plus other freebies, go to www.slphappyhour.com newsletter and you will get it. We hope you found this episode helpful and you learned something along the way. Please consider helping us out by subscribing so you know when new episodes are coming at you. So that's today's show. We hope you enjoy listening in just as much as we enjoyed recording it and that this episode has been a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. Thank you for listening in. Until next time.
I lost my place. <laughs> Take that out. You okay. almost said oak. <laughs> I almost said a bad word, but I stopped myself because I am professional. I undermote at work, which means internally I am very anxious and externally I am quite calm and capable. Um, okay. Oh, you want to? Yeah, you should ask me what I'm reading for fun. That was good. 